0: You're going to screw up your kids somehow. But, yes, exactly. You know. yeah.
1: the, the, the goal of parenting is just to minimize how much we screw up our kids, right? With trying to be a conscious parent and doing trying to do everything right, we're still going to screw our kids up. It's just a matter of how much. ADHD Rewired, episode 259. This is the podcast for those of us with really good intentions and a slightly wandering attention. I'm Eric Tivers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker by training and a coach by design. I'm your host and I have ADHD. ADHD Rewired is a more than just a podcast. We are a community. We are wired for connection and you are not alone. Go to ADHDRewired.com to learn how you can join us in our free secret Facebook group. Get additional resources for every episode, including links to any resources we We mentioned on today's show. You can support us on Patreon, sign up for our email newsletter, you can request podcast postcards to distribute to your clients and support groups, and you can learn all about our intensive online video based coaching and accountability groups. You can do all of this at our website, ADHDRewired.com. We know that starting is the hardest part, so let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of ADHD Rewired we have today one of our first mastermind sessions that we're going to share with you um cat is trying to not laugh which is making me laugh um so i'm not going to look at cat right now um distracted before even finishing my first sentence um i'm putting my blinders on so um we we have our first mastermind session for uh for the year this is uh our our admin who help out uh, in our coaching group um each get their their one hour in the hot seat and so some of these will be shared with you um if you're hearing this this is one of the ones that is shared with you so um let's let's set it up we have uh juliette who is in the hot seat today hey
2: juliette hi eric um so, yeah, so yeah, the issue that I wanted to mastermind was, um, so I keep, I notice that I keep going in circles um, with everything. Um, so, for an example, um, I'll start a new job and it starts really well um, and then I just have this innate need to overload myself, um, overcommit, kind of treat myself like a bit of a robot and, um, so I burn out and fall over, um, and I get stuck in. Yeah, I get stuck in a bubble thinking all as well, but in reality, I get to the point. Um, so the last job I had, if I didn't quit, when I quit, um, I'd get that. Don't come Monday letter. Like I, I'm always that close to getting sacked. Um, and then I kind I guess it's kind of rolled out recently with my kids um, overcommitting to therapy appointments, um, extracurricular stuff like I just try and cram everything in. And, Yeah, and it's on the outside it looks okay. People think I'm doing a great job and I'm running, but I'm running and I'm burning. And then um, I fizzle out, I get resentful, and um, I just spend a lot of time in this space of being reactive instead of being responsive. And I guess from that um, I'd like – should I keep going? Yeah. The second one? Yep. Yep. Um, So what I'd like to change – or the issue, I'm hoping to change um, change my outcomes by doing things differently instead of doing the same thing over and over again, you know, expecting the same a different result. So I kinda of wanna yeah, wanna to, wanna kind of evolve and grow up, you know. Yeah, so that respond instead sort of react. Um, keep going. Sorry. Please. please. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um,
1: and, and and just so everybody knows too, uh, that uh, we, we we uh, we have everyone prepare a, a it's about a four page document that uh, to help people kind of think through the the challenge that uh, they're having, giving the background information. So right now Juliet is just sharing uh, the information from her from her worksheet.
2: So the next one is what's happening now. Um, so now it's me being shifted to being stuck at home. Um, so overcommitting, a sabotage myself, not getting any sleep i um, pushing the kids to do extra work, practice homework. Um, when things aren't running on my agenda, the way I want them to run, I'm starting to yell and, and get really upset. Um, and then I go into, a, <laughs> uh, you know, the guilt of comfort eating and, um, or I'm reflecting my guilt back on my kids through getting mad with them. Um, what would I like to happen that's not happening now? Um, I don't want to keep acting out. And I didn't want to get back um, to a – I attend a, a support group. Um, I do regular meetings there, but it's a challenge for the kids at the moment because I'm by myself. And I just don't want to keep throwing my crap at my kids. Um, I want to take responsibility for my stuff, um, get a bit of discipline, and I mean that in a loving way with self-care through you know, sleep and, and being of service to my kids, um, not resenting them. Um, I've tried counselling and the psychologist and that support group that I'm in. If I work that program well, I'm in a good space. Um, the result was um, it's helped me out. It's it's kind of right sized me, um, and I understand how my behaviour impacts others. Um, I notice it's mostly internal, um, and it only usually comes out towards the people that know me well and that I can get away with um, not behaving myself. Um, and then it says here why. Is it important to me? Um, I feel like if I don't change now, I've got a lot to lose, my relationship with my kids um, and the very fine line of financial security that I've got. Um, I, and I've got a, an issue, maybe, I, maybe I'll lose more people, more relationships. Um, I feel like I could be selfish um, and resentful. And I think a lot about me and ways for looking out. And when I'm doing things, it's some, when I'm in this space, it's very much about self-serving and what's in it for me versus um, seeing how others go. I hope this makes sense. Seeing others coming straight from a place of service and, and just doing the next right thing and, and being available for people um, without an agenda. Um, yeah, so again, the risk is um, the loss, the cost, the financial, uh, the loss of um, being where I'm at. Um, loss of relationships. Um, doing something about this gives me a clearer future and not feeling shame and guilt and remorse about what I'm doing, um, changing my behavior. I'm willing to try suggestions and be accountable um, and not sit in a space of I know everything like I can.
1: There was a part on your worksheet I think I, I read um, about like, not being sure how others see you. Is that?
2: Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I absolutely did that. perception. Um, i think i put here um i think i can be an extreme on both ends um i either think people don't take me seriously and might think i'm a bit silly or stupid or an idiot or it's a bit hard um or i kind of get stuck in a greater than headspace sometimes and think that i can be better than others um that's why i said i guess when i'm doing the, right next, the next right thing or I'm doing what I need to do for myself, um, I kind of feel right-sized and a part of, and I can just accept what's going on around me and, and just join into whatever's going on.
1: So if what I'm hearing, I think, and, and please uh, uh, tell me if, what, if there's more to it, if I'm hearing three themes, um, self-care, one, relationship management, two, and self-awareness, three. Am I missing Did any of you else pick up on something else that that seems to be relevant? Kat, you did? No? Okay.
3: Mine mine were the same themes that that you mentioned. Dave, what about you? It kind of sounds like the self-care
0: aspect of it is associated, like, are you feeling guilty? Is is it like a self-care separate, you know, going to bed or whatever, but then self-care in relation to other people? Um, I think those might are those two separate issues.
2: I think they're separate and kind of joined um, at the same time. Because if I'm if I'm really tired and it's due to me not looking after myself, like staying up and watching something until three a.m., um, then I'm more susceptible to lose my shit with my kids, and then I walk away feeling guilty. But then my ego is so big that I don't want to apologize because then I fear if I apologize and I'm going to be like, then they're going to think they can get away with anything they want. So fronting up and owning my behavior is hard sometimes.
1: Okay. And I feel guilty the so ap- then it
2: just spirals. And
1: yeah. the apologizing for, to your kids when you when you screw up, that is modeling healthy behavior. Mm. Okay, It is something that yeah. um, Like I'm not a yeller. I think that I've maybe have yelled at my son three or four times in my entire life and I always apologize. Right, like I said, because I didn't like the way I, I reacted, I didn't excuse the behavior. So there is one piece, though, Julia, that I that I think is important um, to add some context to, and that's the um, how neurodivergent your family is. Would you ta- Would you mind talking a little bit about you no. and your and your kids? Because I think that that piece really matters.
2: Okay. Um... So my eldest has, I'm going to say Asperger's because that's just easier. Um, my daughter has ASD as well. Um, I have Asperger's and ADHD and my, my eldest also has ADHD and I think watching my daughter maybe. Um, and my mum just got diagnosed with Asperger's the other day and she's 67. Um, and we've even done some genetic counselling um, with my daughter and my mum there's the same gene deletion between the four of us and my brother as well. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's definitely, um, definitely a family theme. Let
1: me ask you this. What is your self concept as, uh, as a person and a mom on the spectrum?
2: I think um, if you'd asked me that six months ago, I would have said I had the sense of being a very horrible person um, that I owed the world a lot and I was a taker and very selfish. Um, I think I've done a bit of work already trying to see the good, well, the good that the, the things that I do because I just need to do them, um, No front up. Um, I spend as much time with them as I can. I've made sacrifices for them because I wanted to be there with them um so I kind of shift in in and out of that I can go either way and it's I'm I've always been a person of extremes so finding that center of being okay about you know not feeling the shame of making a mistake and then running away from it because I can't deal with it to sitting with stuff and being able to like you said when I'm in a good space I can apologize and know my behavior and you know, model that conversation and that thinking with my son going, you know, I've made this mistake and this is what I've done and I'm really sorry about that and that's not okay that I spoke to you that way. Um, and now he's kind of able to do that sometimes. But when I'm in this shitty space of having no sleep and kind of gone back to, it kind of feels like primitive thinking. It's kind of like, and I don't know if that's correct, but like that front being in my frontal lobes, that's very reactive. It's very, yeah. Um, and I don't think much good can come out of that space.
1: Will you speak just for a moment about your the, the last um, your last uh, job that you had?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so I worked in a rehab, and I worked uh, in an out client space um, in a drug and al- as a drug and alcohol support worker and a drug and alcohol caseworker. Um, I I really enjoyed that job, and I think. When I worked with somebody, when I worked with people one-on-one, I think that, that I think I did a good job. But I think when I was working by myself for a while, so it was setting up a new service from scratch, um, I had a lot of free time and a lot of space and of, I had no structure. I had to set my own structure and I took complete advantage of that. Um, I didn't see it at the time and that towards the end, the wheel started falling off. Um, I was leaving early to pick up the kids and I was turning up late and I was just kind of bludging in the office. And, um, yeah, I – and then we had – I had a colleague start to work with me. Um, So there was two of us and then I had to have accountability in that job and it just didn't – I just wasn't interested anymore. Um, And I think that that could be ADHD maybe bit of an emotional
1: burnout <laughs> when you said you didn't see it at the time does that happen to you where like you're getting overwhelmed with with life and maybe you're you're the last one to realize it yeah yeah absolutely it's that, a really common thing with, with people who who are on the spectrum right um you know one of the things that, that i was uh, when i uh, when i first met you That I was really uh, taken back by Because here is this a a uh, young woman who is a mom of multiple kids who's also on the spectrum who has you know who's on the spectrum herself and just doing human centered work you know doing see counseling work right and I thought that was amazing right I mean how how I don't see that very often I think that's that's wonderful. And in, you know, as as a mental health professional trained that way, um, you know, so much of our training talks about the importance of managing self-care and caregiver burnout. And um, and if you are enjoying what you're doing, it doesn't mean that it's not also taxing you. Right. So I wonder how much of uh, when we look at self-care, relationship management and self-awareness as those that those three things how much of this conversation do you think would be helpful for you to try to maybe um, identify those, those markers that you can use as a way to sort of check in with how you're doing? Um, Because I think your, your, your body probably isn't telling you that until you're just kind of complete overwhelmed that you're like, I'm out of here. I'm done. Right. Uh, And so maybe even coming up with a more proactive self-care plan, like, Engaging in self-care, even when your body doesn't feel like you need it, which is what we all need to be doing, really. Um, Kat, go ahead.
3: Just because you said the self-care piece there and something I've heard you, a word I've heard you use a couple of times was selfish. um, And I'm just wondering how you see when you talked about being selfish, how do you see those two things as being different?
2: Okay. um, Selfish and self-care. Sorry. So I see self-care as me politely taking myself out of the space that I'm in and I go do something good for myself, be it go to the gym, go for a swim, go to bed early, ask for help. Um, Selfish, I see it's either when I'm to the point where I'm burnt out, I'm tired, I'm losing my shit, I'm telling everyone to get out of my way I'm doing things to soak myself and I'm resenting everyone in front of me for not for being there and breathing. Um, or I'm the other space of that is that is that I'm just not considering anyone else and I'm just escaping, so dumping the kids off with family or friends or mostly family and I'm just avoiding, avoiding, not considering that, okay, I do need to look after myself but I also have two young children that do, I need to front up for, so where's the balance?
1: I just want to kind of point something out too. You're you're dropping your kids off with someone who's taking care of them well. That's being a good mom. When you know that you that you're when you're in a space where you maybe can't be a good mom, connect. You know, having your your kids be with someone who can take care of them while you can get your shit back together. Um, that's being a good mom.
2: And I guess to add to that, um, or if you know if there's hard stuff coming up, I'm before I separated my husband i would like i'd run off so i'd just be leaving him with the kids all the time and i'd be just doing good things for myself consistently but not actually fronting up and and taking putting my big girl pants on and doing what i need to do um and that i've tried to pull back from that now and actually be here but but now i'm going the other way i guess i need to well
1: it sounds like that's that's kind of your your tendency your your pattern to go like, so probably it sounds like you were also probably making up for some lost time when it came to self-care and doing stuff that, you know, you enjoyed. What are the rest yeah. of your guys' thoughts?
0: You're saying things like put on my big girl pants and, you know, buck up and do this, do that. But um, that's kind of just negating what you're actually feeling and say, well, other other people can do this or other people do this, that you, at least you see that. But you're not giving yourself... Uh, you're not adding into the equation everything else that you're feeling, you know, and there's a lot going on, you know, not normal. People have problems with neurotypical kids, uh,
1: you know, <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and like you've- the understatement of the hour, I think right there, <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: So you've got in addition to being ADHD and on the spectrum yourself, you've got to navigate that and navigate the kids. And uh, you know, work and navigate your coworkers and do all this other stuff. So it's not just about putting on your big girl
1: pants. Okay. You know, and you know, part of what you said your stressor was that you know having to bring your kids to, to therapies and everything like that. And um, you know, I I used to to uh, work clinically with, with kids with autism, so I'm I'm been on the receiving or the, on the, the the delivery end as a therapist of all those therapies, and I know that. Families who have kids, you know, especially multiple kids on the spectrum, it's like its own full-time job just doing all of that, and it's exhausting. You know, there's also research that shows that parents of kids who are uh, on the autism spectrum often have, in in clinical measures, just as significant or even more clinically significant PTSD as compared to uh, orbits. So I think just like... Taking well, a step okay. back for a minute and, like, acknowledging that, like, holy shit, like, the, your circumstances are hard. And I think all things considering, just I think you're doing a, a beautiful job with what you're doing. I really do. Like, I know that that we don't always, you know, it's probably the internal thought is, like, well, you don't know what's going on on the inside of my head right now. Um, You just see what you see. And, you know, I think we all feel that way, you know. So where do you think this could be the most helpful for you as as far as would it be developing that self-care plan or um, do you want more clarification questions to try to get a bigger, better picture of everything else that's going on? What would be helpful for you?
2: I think in the clarification questions would be, okay. okay. Yeah. Right. I feel like there's a whole lot of stuff going on and I'm trying to, yeah, work it out myself. Okay. Hey, Katie, go ahead.
4: Um, So in the way that you, will. Not that I noticed, but I know you mentioned, um, like when you start a new job or something or you start working, you start to get like burned out because you kind of go all into it. Um, how soon after starting a job do you start to notice that you're getting burned out?
2: The last time was six months. Um, and then since I had the kids at work, it's kind of been casual and part-time, um, Curtis is, so yeah. My oldest is eight now, so before that, without kids, maybe a year, just a, depending on um, what the job was, I guess. Um, so six months to a year. Yeah.
1: Okay. Let me ask you um, a follow-up to that. So if if you see a pattern that there's a six-month-to-a-year burnout uh, with the, the jobs that you're doing, if you were to utilize this little tool that we have in our toolbox called the calendar, what could you put in the calendar to maybe preemptively you know, tell you to do something before that point hits, before you feel like you need the break? I think that's one yeah. of the big things that we, it's about engaging in self-care before you feel like you need it. Yeah. So when, would, when, do, you, when do you think you could put something in your calendar and what would it tell you?
2: So maybe at the three, the three month mark. And what would it say? It's like other, um, those, are you still questions? Are you still going to the gym? Are you still sleeping? Are you still Mm. checking with friends? Are you doing anything for yourself at all? Um, are you feeling about work? Have you checked in with your boss to make sure you're doing what you're meant to be doing?
1: Katie also had a one in the chat. She said, are you taking a vacation?
2: I haven't been on vacation for a really long time. How long has it been? The pre-kids, we used to go overseas quite a lot, we used to travel. Um, I think it's been, I think my oldest was three the last time I went on a trip. So what, five years? Like I've visited family, but like not a proper holiday. Um, Things have been a bit tight, I guess, with money, therapy, um, and some other medical stuff we've had to do. Yeah, a bit of a, a hard thing to and then me not being very organized with five is so that's probably another thing to, okay. that's another mastermind. Okay. <laughs> um,
1: so, yeah. So the three month mark you'd have in your calendar, these questions, um, mm-hmm. how do you, how are you going to know if you are like doing what you need to do? Like what's your, what's your kind of uh, the, the measure of that?
2: You probably have to identify someone before that happened so that I could then, be accountable to check in to get a reality reality check would be the right word for it just to get another opinion on perception um because i could probably talk myself into saying i'm doing all those things um i'm really good at that
1: okay so Mm -hmm. what what can you do to counter that
2: (laughs) um i'd probably need to um, Checking maybe with my accountability group or a group of people that can be just very honest, loving but honest with me to tell me, actually, Juliet, you look like shit, or you need more sleep, or I've noticed that you're losing it, or whatever that feedback is, um, and I have to be yeah, be okay with it.
1: And I think sometimes, and this is something that I'm discovering for for myself, um, you know, like the the double as sort of loving you know, the work that you do is that you're always doing the work that you do. Right. Um, And then at when like, and so this idea of like, when you get to the point where you're like, Oh, I need a vacation. It's too, it's kind of too late at that point. Like you actually, like, not that it's too late, but like you ne- already needed to be on vacation if you're at that point. Right. Yeah. And um and you guys all know that I love the book, the one thing. And after reading it or listening to it for the fifth time, I finally grasped in that book when they talk about the very first thing that you plan for your year is your vacation time. I missed that the first four times. And that's something that I'm working on doing this year. So and not waiting because I keep doing, that, I keep waiting and I'm like, oh, I need a vacation or I'll take it soon. And then I get busy with something else. And then it's like, oh, this 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 not working for me because I'm waiting for stress to be the cue. Right? Yeah. The other side I thought
2: about work was that Am I embarking up the wrong tree? Should I be? And I think I spoke about this. I think I spoke to you about this before. Like, should I be looking at doing something for myself versus working for somebody else? led um, to I, you know, I ended up end up going into a job, and like I said, I kind of com- overcommit and putting in work hours that, I'm um, you know, all emotional over. You know, overly emotionally invest in that job. And I'm like, I would put that effort into something for myself. What would that look like? Um, and I have my whole family self-employed. Um, and I think similar reason, they just make really shitty employees. <laughs> that's
1: why I'm self-employed. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, 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 I can't keep my mouth shut. You know, I have opinions. Yeah. Um, I see something that's wrong with a, with a system. Like I, I bark up the wrong tree too fast, too soon. And then I find myself at the front door
2: um yeah well the the job i had before i um luckily it was a maternity leave spot so they kind of politely managed me into another spot um i was managing volunteers and i yeah i scanned files and made it all electronic and it wasn't part of my job did Um, you like doing that i didn't like the scanning part so i had volunteers doing that but i liked um Managing that, like setting up, so arranging our volunteer IT guidance to set up another hard, get okay, an external hard drive so we had everything scanned and accessible. So and, um, I'd started a program um, to help people access employment assistance. Um, we had corporate volunteers that would come in and do that as well and it wasn't part of my gender, and it kind of took me away from managing and helping get in individual volunteers to help run the centre that I was working in. So again, great, great intentions, but not what I was hired to do.
4: Katie? I was just going to say uh, before, I just, um, I guess, about how important I think it is to take vacations and breaks. And even if you can't go on an actual vacation, like I call it like a staycation where you just take maybe a super long weekend or something like that, but just time to kind of get out of the office or get you know away from work and where you're not having to like, think about things that like, you know, aren't a part of your, not everyday day-to-day life, but just, you know, just not in the workplace environment is very different. And I think it is easy to get burned out like that. Um, And then I also think that having someone at work, maybe your direct boss or someone who can kind of be more of like a mentor is super important. Um, And then just someone that you can kind of ask for feedback so maybe if you're feeling like, I feel like perception is so different, right? The way we view ourselves versus the way other people see us. So maybe to you, you can start feeling like, oh my God, I'm going to, I'm going to get fired because things are going crazy. But in reality, your your job's not really going to fire you. You know what I mean? Like, so I think someone you can kind of approach and get honest feedback from and say, you know, like, here's what I'm working on. Here's where I want to grow. You know, what can I improve on? And then just have that open dialogue is also super important as far as, you know, self-care and just your feelings and not getting burned out. So that way you're not feeling overwhelmed all the time.
2: Mm. Yeah, well, that, that does make sense. Absolutely.
1: Um, going back to what you were kind of talking about just a moment ago um, about self-employment or employed. I think a while back, we actually had a conversation around, you know, you doing uh, some, some like, kind of support work for, for families uh, with kids on the spectrum and doing some kind of the coaching around that. Have you given any other thought to that?
2: I did briefly the other day. I needed to go and visit one of the old teachers. And I had um, up at the there's a technical college up the road that I need to go and update some qualifications so that I can do that. Um, so that I can register to work under insurance um, the training I wanted to do it's about ten no, thousand dollars no absolutely not but I, I do this um, particular I guess you can call it therapy very loosely with my kids and I can just see how much they've grown, how much they've um, and I hate to use the word deficits, but I think that um, that slowing down and that thinking around the things that they struggle with on the spectrum, you know, um, where they start and finish something, um, their thought patterns and processes, what building out that stuff so they don't think things are going to pop up out of nowhere. Um, the spontaneous glance, the, the eye contact because they want to make eye contact, um, the facial referencing, all that stuff, um, that stuff makes me feel great and so when I see that, I know that I've done some good stuff with them, um, and I love seeing people's faces go. Well, how do they do that? And I'm like, well, it's, they're not, you know, they're not um, circus clowns. They're not. They're not. It's not a magic trick. It's a lot of work and um, and intention. So I think I'd like to kind of share that and do that.
1: So I want to uh, give you some feedback from what I just saw when you were talking about that, you were lighting up like truly like this, this joy was coming out of you. Julia, to me, that's the kind of work you gotta be doing. Right. But even when it's hard, you, 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 yes, cause you're about to cry right now. And I can tell if we're striking that nerve and uh, <laughs> right. It's like what Julia, first of all, it, kids and adults need more Professionals who get it, who are on the spectrum, who are help can help them. You know, there's a lot of people with ADHD who work like myself, who are helping people with ADHD, right? That's not as much of the case for, for people with ASD. I, right? I think that you would have a jam packed business. If you actually did this,
2: what would that look like for you? Could you be a little more specific. Sorry. I was a bit open.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I do that sometimes. um, so you, you made, I literally saw myself in a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> you saw what?
2: My, my thinking is still quite literal. So I literally thought of me looking at myself in a mirror. I was like, what do you mean? And,
1: and as I asked you that question, that also that thought occurred to me of how vague <laughs> that question just was. Um, what would you, so if you could design your ideal work day, what would you be doing?
2: I guess I'd be working with, I guess the first process in the, um, that particular therapy that I, I think we spoke about already um, is bringing parents out of crisis so they're not reactive with their kids. And once they're out of crisis, then it's all about connecting. It's about it's parent training, so it's really working with parents to connect with the kids so that you can step back and put yourself out of a job. So they've got relationships, building relationships, right, um, and showing them that their kids aren't... Um, destined to be working in a I don't know, a factory or um or in a halfway house or in care. Um or just because they're rocking in the corner right now doesn't mean they're not gonna be up doing something they love to do when they're older. Um that they can connect with them just in a slightly different way. Um yeah. And then in that in that somewhere having more meaningful time with my, my own kids.
1: When you were sharing that idea of sort of supporting and coaching parents and how to do the things that you know to do. How does that feel?
2: I think it looks well. Yeah, I guess it kind of feels like what I want to do or what I should be doing or what I should have already been doing. And why am I not already doing it? I guess they're more thoughts and feelings, but. Fear? A little bit of fear. Um, Money? Yeah. Um, but the actual, if, if I kind of put that aside, the actual thought of doing it feels like I'm not heading back into the same loop of, you know, those, um, you know, where I I was talking about before, I'm not jumping into a job where I'm going back in circles. Um, I've had a friend who's offered to get, help me get a job in near at a mortgage company. And while that sounds, I kind of, one side feel grateful because I don't have to go through interviewing and I hate hate interviews. um, because so I've, yeah, I've worked at a different bank with him before I did the human services stuff. Um, part of me just sees me going back into workaholic, um, bigger than, smaller than, um, yeah. And this just as opposed to going into that, that other work, it feels. And yeah.
1: as, as somebody who has some significant workaholic tendencies, I think it's better to, do something you love and work on the workaholic tendencies versus doing something that just sucks the soul out of you. Cause it's not going to engage you in workaholic tendencies. Right. Yep. Um, Roxy and Kat both had some, uh, some uh, things they wanted to ask you. Um, what mm-hmm. I want to do really quickly, um, just take a really quick break and then uh, we'll come back with some more questions. Um, we're going to, I'm not sure where, where we're going with this, but we're going somewhere. We're going to take, A quick break. The ADHD Women's Palooza started yesterday. Join me and over thirty of the top ADHD experts focused on women's issues and ADHD. It's taking place February 25th through March 2nd. I'll be there along with Jessica McCabe, Rick Green, Alan Brown, Melissa Orlov, Annette Hallowell, Thomas Brown, Casey Dixon, Ari Tuckman, and many more. Go check out this lineup. It's pretty fantastic. I'll be talking about community and its importance to healing and thriving. You can catch my session Friday, March 1st at 5 p.m. Eastern. All sessions are free to attend, live, or catch the replay for up to 24 hours after the event. Encore packages are also available to purchase, so you can watch or listen when it fits your schedule. To learn more, go to adhdrewired.com/slash Palooza. That's ADHD rewired.com slash Palooza. Palooza is P-A-L-O-O-Z-A. I'll see you there. All right. And we are back. We have uh, Roxy using to kick it off with our next question. Let's get you unmuted. It works way better for podcasting. Oh. <laughs>
5: I'm never going to remember time So. <laughs> So I was wondering about the emotional scaffolding to support and cue you, Juliet, when your head and body maybe don't give you the warning um, that you're depleting.
2: Could you explain?
5: Yeah. So when Eric was talking earlier about sometimes um, our body is not cueing us when we're on overload and not being able to rely on that, I was wondering if there... Were things that you know work to bring you into the present and that create some security and some space for you to kind of go inward and and take your temperature, so to speak?
2: <laughs> I have noticed that each time that I've had a bit of a, a slump or a, a little emotional outburst or reality's kicked my ass and I've come back from a little bit of not delusional space, but being in my own world space. Um, I noticed the the cleanup isn't as big and the mistakes aren't quite as big and the gap between each crash is getting further apart, if that makes sense. Um, I guess because I do um, rely on a lot of external cues, I guess I'm getting better at reading others, I guess, when I'm – in relationship with someone and i'm pushing too much or i'm not getting what i need or things aren't working out the way i think they should have to kind of think step back and go what the heck's going on and then i'll usually have a huge when i actually pay attention to what's going on inside i'll have a huge rush of emotion and when i when i have the space to sit with my emotions and my feelings they're really strong and they're really big yeah, no, I guess it's just that it's kind of, and I hope this makes sense, but it's slowly, I'm slowly able to start matching my emotions with what's happening. Um, I think it's like that emotional intelligence is slowly growing, but it's still we're quite reliant on our external factors. So I, I, need, I need something there to, to bring me in quicker, I guess.
5: Um, you've mentioned that your support group is really helpful. Um are there other things like that um that you want to do on a regular basis to to regroup?
2: Um I've found I started going to the gym and swimming and the first month was pretty solid and I was getting some regular time in. Um, and then some of the care arrangements I had with my kids midweek have changed. And then I've, the last couple of weeks, I've just been stuck in a bit of a rut of being at home or just being over focused on them. Um, so I've kind of then gone to, so I take them for a swim and then I'll go for a swim with them, but it's not the same as being by myself or I'm just getting to the gym once a week. And it's great when I'm there. Um, or I go to physio, or I do a bit of speech therapy, cause I, uh, a bit of auditory processing stuff I'm working on. Um, but that's all when they're with their dad. Um, and that happens on the weekend so it's kind of like I do a heap of self-care stuff on the weekend but then it's the week that's missing Um, so I guess I need I I, I, and I've been thinking about it I need to make an I need to make new arrangements for the week so that I can go and do stuff Um, or something Um, or just go back to what I was doing before because I felt like I was in a good space and I was building up resistance emotionally and I was feeling good
1: what action, what action steps can you take to bring these things back into your life?
2: I think it's either speaking with a friend. Um, every now and then I get a support worker in to sit with what to be with my two kids. Um, I could do that.
1: Do you have a specific friend in mind?
2: I do. I do. Um, the kids are with them this morning, actually. She's taking the oldest one to school and looking after the youngest one at the moment.
1: Can you um can you put like a standing date with your this friend? So it's just it's like every week that you have a time you have time to talk with her? Yeah. Okay. I can what see else?
2: her. I'll see her when I pick up the youngest one this morning, even to set a date or a day or just ask a day that works for her.
1: How do you do with using your calendar and like task list kind of stuff?
2: So um so since we did ARC, um I use my Google Calendar religiously. Um, re- recurring events are big. Um, the to-do's list eh, it pops up, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'll do it later." Um, and then the last so couple what, what of days, if, I what had if you
1: scratched stuff, your to-do's and everything just goes in the calendar? Because you said to use that religiously.
2: Um, before I had the calendar, I wasn't getting to appointments on time, um, and I was pay, I had to pay cancellation fees for therapists that. Um, and I forget tax. what daycare or what preschool, what people is meant to be wearing. So I think those recurring appointments have been great. Um, I think it's taking stuff out. So cutting, maybe cutting back on what we're doing.
1: One of the things, um, Juliet, when I used to uh, uh, work with, with adults uh, who, who had, uh, were both on the spectrum and with ADHD, One of the things I would I would often tell them is that I was always a little bit envious because people with ADHD when I'm teaching them how to use a calendar, like they'll use it for a little while really well, and then they like stop using it. People who also are on the spectrum, they they learn to use the calendar and they never ever stop using it. Like they use it the same way all the time. So if that's what I'm hearing, it sounds like is now that you are using that calendar, like you really use that calendar.
2: I'm good at ignoring things that I don't want to do though. So I can, I can ignore stuff. <laughs> okay. I can ignore stuff.
1: Um, so you have that ability too. Okay. Um, yeah.
2: So the to-do list side, like things have to get, I noticed lately things have to get really urgent again. Like I'm not planning as much as I was and I'm missing dates to fill out forms. So I've had to like mark um, urgent to-do list. And then in the notes on the Google calendar, I've had to like list it and put the day that they, that they're overdue by. And I've, you know, I've done those things the last two days for okay. um, urgent catch up that is rushed.
1: Because I'm wondering if we can, if you can use your calendar as a stronger cue for self care, um, by putting it in the, those these different things in there, on regular intervals. Um, I remember I was working with a, uh, a client once where um, they um, they really enjoyed going to parties, but they would then have meltdowns. At the party, because they were like didn't it wasn't registering that they were overwhelmed until it was they were already overwhelmed so what what uh, we, we uh, the strategy that we came up with was they had um uh, a, a their a timer on their phone um, and the timer would go off about every thirty minutes and when the time went off, they would just go basically take a break away from the party for about five minutes and that was a really helpful strategy for that person. <laughs> right it's like they didn't wait until they felt like they needed the break because at that point it was too late yeah right so really you know that's also the value of a lot of the data tracking you know so it's both the the the, the day-to-day stuff as well as that longer term stuff so if you've noticed that it's usually between the six month to to uh, year mark we get overwhelmed all right so you got some data tracking there so how do we uh have those cues and set up your environment so it's before that point right so you've already planned the vacation four months after you started a job, right? Yeah. Versus when you, when you feel like you need it. So you have that thing to look forward to. It's going to uh, be there to recharge you. Um, the other thing you said earlier, uh, just a little, little bit ago is uh, about developing this emotional intelligence, right? I think that the, it's, it's worth kind of pointing out. And I think, you know, this though, that, Um, You know, this whole kind of BS notion that people on the spectrum don't have empathy. Uh, I think people on the spectrum have more empathy than neurotypical people. They just cognitively (laughs) don't understand what they're feeling, but did Mm -hmm. they get the feels, right? Like, I remember when I used to work in residential, like, if there was a a staff that was uh, um, on on, um, working a shift that just had a negative attitude, like, every kid picked up on it and it was a hell of a shift, Right. They couldn't explain what was going on, but they felt it. And so you're doing really heart-centered work, right? So, and I'm guessing you're probably good at it. I'm also guessing it takes a lot out of you.
2: Yeah, it does.
1: Right? So self-care has to be like the number one priority significantly over everything else, right? For you to do this important work, Julia, I think that you working helping parents understand how to work with their kids is such a gift to give to families. I, I hope that you can do this. Right? If you if you do this, self care needs to be, is non-negotiable for you. Right? And you can also use that as part of like how you explain the work that you do and how you set up your business. Right? And someone said, so Well, can you do this? Self care. Yeah, Dave, go ahead.
0: I was gonna say self care without the guilt that you that you feel when you take care of
1: yourself and that takes time that just takes practice it
3: It does and one of the things um because i had a client that was working through the self care guilt and um i think i shared it this year in in group um we created permission slips around it just to say you know but we called it intentional resting and i know for me i used to have a lot of those issues of of guilt i don't the self-care thing i'm the self care piece I'm really really good at, and it's because I've gotten very intentional with it. Um, where if I am, you mentioned like staying up until three o'clock in the morning watching something. I'm not saying I don't ever do that, but when I do it, I ask myself, do I want to be staying up until three a.m. watching this? I'm like, yeah, actually I do right now. And then if I, you know, so it's a it's it's all about the intention behind it for me. Um, and I think it's also important when you mentioned or when when Eric was talking about the work that you do, the heart center work that you. Do, that you do, that you've done outside the home, you're doing that in your home too. You know what I mean? Like you're doing that just as part of your life of dealing with difficult situations with people that you really care about one, you know, caring about the outcome. Like that's you're you really aren't getting a break from it at all. So that self-care piece to me is like super duper important right now too. just and for me, I think one of the things that helped with the self care piece of it was understanding that if I didn't fill my own cup, and this is all cliche, but I don't care, it works for me. Um, if I didn't fill my own cup, I had nothing to give other people, and I want to give the best of me, and that's so I, I literally will visualize filling up my cup of positive, happy things when I'm doing the things that I love, knowing that that's going to spill over into in. To, you know, for other people.
1: Julia, knowing that you were a very literal thinker, I have to ask you, what What were you imagining when Cat was saying that? <laughs>
2: um, a a glass with glittery glitter and rainbows and sparkles and shooting stars, literally. <laughs>
1: literally, I love that. <laughs> I saw this little smirk on your face when she was talking about that. So I was like, oh, what just flashed into your mind as is, is, uh, she was describing that? Um,
3: I saw that too, but I kept going. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Can I, you make I, that? I understood
1: I know that I know that Jessica McCabe on on How to ADHD actually has a, an episode where she actually uh, shows you how to make something like that.
2: I've seen that.
1: <laughs> I've seen it. I've made it. I've made multiple. <laughs> is it strange that when
0: you said shooting stars, I imagine little stars with guns?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, Dave. That is strange. But we still love you. <laughs> Shooting stars with guns, I love that. Um, okay, um, the your your support groups are those on your calendar? Two are okay.
2: The weekend, yeah, we've got two on the weekend. And there are um, other
1: groups that you could go to that aren't in your calendar.
2: Yeah, there's a random. There's a few regulars that um, I do during the week. That I, that I that I used to do periodically during the week, and that seemed to just keep me. Emotionally checked in and balanced.
1: Right? You know, one of the things that I do um, and I don't know if I've ever actually shared this with, with the coaching groups or on the podcast, um, I have a specific calendar dedicated uh, you know, on my Google calendar to the things that like I don't often go to, but like every once in a while I have an interest in going to. And so if I uh, waited for the, you know, I think I want to go to something like this and then I go to look it up often, it's like the schedule doesn't work out. But if I've already looked those things up that I may occasionally want to go to, or maybe even just one day want to go to, and those things are always in my calendar, like that's where I'm seeing it. So I can look ahead and say, oh, like this day is actually kind of open. I could actually go to this thing this time. And so that's something that I that I have found to be helpful. So the things that you may at some point want to do, um, have them in your calendar. And some websites will have uh, where you can subscribe to like their event calendar. And so it will just automatically be imported into your own calendar.
3: Mm. Okay. Yeah.
2: What, what
1: other ideas sense. do you guys have uh, from everything that we've been sharing today?
3: I want to touch a little bit on the, um, she mentioned kind of uh, the issues with the kids, like getting emotional with them or I, I wrote down lash out. Cause that's what I did um, when I was in my not great place. And you know, for me with my, with my son, um, I had to give myself a timeout and I still do sometimes because I, I, I act inappropriately. I try not to say this because Brendan Mahan gave me shit for it, but (laughs) I joke around that, that uh, I'm the, or that he's the adult in our relationship because he's neurotypical. So I can be really inappropriate and laugh at times that I shouldn't. And, and those types of things. So when I realize that I'm being inappropriate with him, whether I don't get angry anymore, like I used to, but I did. So it's, but I did the same thing, then kind of to start the whole process was give myself a timeout where I literally will go in my room away from him, think about what I did, <laughs> and think about, you know, or just try to understand that, like, I'm, he's angry, and I'm or upset or frustrated, and I'm laughing about it. And that's not and it it sounds funny, but it actually really escalates situations and makes them a lot worse. So I've learned that the best thing to do is just give myself a timeout. And I don't know if that's something, is that something that feels like you could do when you're in those situations?
2: I, yeah, I think I've noticed that um, there's certain behaviors that my son has that kind of press my buttons. Um, so he he'll stop kind of talking and he starts whining and, you know. Um, I'm like, and then that just, just kind of presses that inconsiderate button within me, and I kind of tell him to stop whining, stop acting like a baby, and he he could be going through some pretty emotionally heavy or sensory stuff. And I don't know if I'm kind of reflecting on the way I could have been treated as a kid, and I'm just then just throwing it at him. Um, but like I can, I'm starting to go like I'll have a thought like this this behavior or this outcome isn't going to work it hasn't been working so why are you doing it and then I I can just say think I'm being a complete bitch you know just that thought will pop in and I can at times take a deep breath step back and then just say you know tell me what you need to say without try not to say too much because I can't necessarily control what's going to come out of my mouth or how it comes out so I try to minimize what I say if I can't leave him um, but if I can leave him, I think that would be a good a good idea too.
1: Would it be helpful to give yourself like and have it fail like if you're on your phone or somewhere where when you're getting to that point where kind of your your thoughts are starting to just become almost like scrambled and the overwhelm is is kicking in, or you can sort of pull something up that's almost an instruction manual to yourself that you wrote when you were calm to sort of tell yourself, when I'm feeling this way, first do this, then do this, then do this.
2: Yeah, I think that would work. Like, would definitely be like in my notes on my phone. Yeah,
1: maybe even like have a cue that's on your like your your um your wallpaper, like your lock screen on your phones. So it's you, so you keep remembering that 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 resource is right there. Mm -hmm. Because when when we're because when we're in that that headspace, we can't really think very logically, and so it's like we need that that really supportive scaffold that sort of co- helps us with the the sequencing of what I need to do. Um and you know I think you're doing an amazing job as a parent from from at least from what I see. And I just want you to know that um you know we all have the you know all all parents countless moments where we're like, ooh, I'm glad that nobody else saw me do that because that was not how I want to parent, myself included. Um I'll share a really brief story it may it'll either make you feel better or it'll just be humorous so um my uh, my son loves to play the bongos but they're not the bongos it's my bald head and it really just annoys me like it's it's and you know I, I try to stay calm with him and so it was about a month or so ago uh, we we had just like two hours ago, had just a pretty nice conversation about like, I understand that you like how this feels, but uh, but explaining to him how it makes me feel. Um, and we like, he got it. He understood it. And then two hours later, he did it again. And I lost my shit. Like I yelled at him. It's, it I think it's the, it was like the fourth time I've ever yelled at him. And I'm just like, Gibson, I just need you to leave the room right now and uh and and my my voice got louder than that and so he, he um he eventually did with with my wife there and then i hear him like you know sort of crying uh with with my wife and and i did the thing that i swear i would never do is follow someone after they've already left the room to go to like get get in one more say one more thing and then I love the, the, the wisdom sometimes of my son. In tears, my son says to me, I don't understand. You told me to walk out of the room so you didn't say anything and now you followed me in here. And I'm just like, buddy, I'm sorry, you're right. And so, you know what? It's like, we're not gonna always have be the best parent that we wanna be in our idealized self, but, but when we can model that we're human beings... And we can model that we're trying and we're doing the best that we can at every given moment. I think we're going to end up raising good human beings. Right. So try to just have as much self compassion as you can. You know, hindsight will make a lot of these moments funny. But I know it's funny in the moment. But hindsight can do that. And just know that you're doing great things. And I think your kids are really lucky to have you. Yep.
0: You're going to screw up your kids somehow. But, yes, exactly. You know. yeah.
1: the, the the goal of parenting <laughs> is just to will. minimize how much we screw up our kids. Right. We're going to, with, with trying to be a conscious parent and doing, trying to do everything right. We're still going to screw our kids up. It's just a
2: matter of how much. So no jail and finished high school. <laughs>
1: Um, Julia, basically, I know there's a lot of stuff that we talked about, uh, in this hour, what do you think are some of your takeaways and are are there um, any commitments that you would like to make here?
2: So I think, um, speaking to my friend about, or if that doesn't work, um, speaking to an agency to get that support worker out to sit with the kids if I need to do that, um, scheduling the gym. So it's happening. Um, and the, you know, the meeting, the sport group, um, separating when you said about separating, putting in a calendar in about doing those things I might like to do. I thought about it more and I thought maybe I just have one calendar on my Google calendar and it's everything. So I'm thinking maybe I can put the kids stuff in one So, so separating my stuff in their stuff, literally. Um, So that way I can take off what I don't need to see and following up with that training I need to do. So I think then that like, um, I know some of it's working with somebody else that does it um, and then incorporating it with my own kids more thoughtfully.
1: I'm wondering if you could also try to see if if there's any scholarship funds available for that training. I think um, that you're a person with Asperger's who is wants to help people with Asperger's. I think that is a very special and unique thing. And I, I have to imagine, I mean, the idea of searching for a scholarship sounds daunting to me. However, (laughs) um, you can have some support, even just some accountability? There's a Dell study hall. Um, just, you know, spend some time on the internet, seeing if that's out there. Right. Um, I, I would be surprised if it's not, and maybe even a GoFundMe, I don't know, something you, you can offer a lot. The people and um but you have to offer a lot to yourself first thank you so much we'll uh you know, we'll, we'll look forward to seeing how you're doing with things we'll be checking in with you
2: thanks. okay thank you thanks guys
1: This is Eric Tivers. Thank you for listening and congratulations for making it to the end. ADHD Rewired is more than just a podcast. We are a community focused on learning, growing, and connection. The website is adhdrewired.com. You can find summaries and additional resources for each episode. You can apply to our free and secret Facebook community. You can learn more about ADHD Rewired's intensive online video-based coaching and accountability groups and sign up for my email newsletter to get exclusive content you won't get anywhere else. It's all at ADHDRewired.com. While you're there, click the Patreon button. If you're a regular listener and you're still listening to my voice, Consider making a monthly contribution by becoming a patron through our Patreon page. If you are able to financially support my work, it would mean a lot. This show is free to listeners, but it is not free to produce. And patrons get really cool perks. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Tivers. You can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash ADHD Rewired. If you're a coach, therapist, or related professional, connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash Eric Tibbers. You can also subscribe to ADHD Rewired on YouTube. And you can subscribe to ADHD Rewired on YouTube and see select interviews and some other videos I've posted. Podcasts change lives. You can make a difference in someone's life by spreading the word about this podcast. Mention it in your online communities on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, or wherever you hang out online. And be sure to share it with your friends and your family and your clients, as well as your coaches, therapists, and doctors. And if you're a coach, therapist, doctor, or ADHD support group leader, and you would like a pack of podcast postcards to hand out, you can request those at my website, ADHDrewired.com. And if you're a member of CHAD or any other ADHD support group, please be sure to tell them about this podcast. You can even show them how to download it on their phone. You know, you might be the person that turns somebody on to a podcast for the very first time. And if you really love this episode, please consider hitting share on your podcast player. I'm only one person and I count on you to help me spread the message. One of the biggest things that you can do to support this podcast and to help other people discover it is to leave an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, or any other podcast app that accepts ratings and reviews. And don't forget to hit subscribe on this podcast on your podcast app so new episodes are automatically pushed to your favorite podcast app. Looking for more ways to listen and learn? Get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash ADHD, rewired. Not sure where to start? In no particular order. Check out Atomic Habits by James Clear. The Body Keeps Score by Bessel van der Koch. Happier, and Meditation for frigidity Skeptics. These are both by Dan Harris. Change Your Questions and Change Your Life by Marilee G. Adams. The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. Procrastinate on Purpose by Rory Vaden. The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. Do you have trouble asking for help? Listen to The Art of Asking by Amanda Palmer. One of the best produced audiobooks I've ever heard. If you're looking for something a little bit more, say, magical, I unexpectedly fell in love with the Harry Potter series. And I don't usually listen to those kinds of books, and I loved it. And of course, if you haven't yet boarded the Brene Brown bus yet, check out Brene Brown's books starting with The Gifts of Imperfection, Daring Greatly, Rising Strong, The Power of Vulnerability. And if you're an entrepreneur or a leader in any capacity, check out her 2018 book, Dare to Lead. And Brene still is my most wanted guest. So if you know Brene, he would be so kind to make that connection for me. I would be really, really grateful. You know who else I would like to have on the show? You. Click the podcast tab at ADHDrewired.com and then click the Be a Guest button at the top of that page and schedule a 15-minute pre-interview. This is Eric Tiggers reminding you to keep learning, keep growing, and keep connecting. Self-care is not selfish, and no matter what gets done or doesn't get done, at the end of the day, you are still enough. And no matter how hard it feels, we can do hard things. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next week.